0: We'll be reading from Galatians 5, verses 1 through 6. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. This is God's Word. You may be seated. Well good morning again everybody we're continuing our series in the book of Galatians and the predominant issue is this Uh, there are several churches in a region called Galatia that Paul has started and founded Uh, these people are Gentile Christians people who have come to faith in Christ through the ministry of the Apostle Paul and a bunch of I guess I'll just call them liars showed up after Paul left and told these people that while the uh, ministry of the Lord Jesus is very important, what they need to do is adhere to the Old Testament law in order to be saved. Uh, The bottom line is they had a works mentality. In other words, they said that Faith in Jesus is important, but you need to do some things in order to secure your relationship with God. And they, ha- they chose to point to what we call the Old Testament law that was given by God to the Jewish people. And they said these things need to be adhered to in order to have a relationship with God. And Paul is writing to these churches, these people that he knows and loves, and he's telling them, That's a lie. As a matter of fact, the people that are purveying these teaching um, are straight from the pit of hell, is the short version. Well, they've kind of come to the crux of the matter, and we're going to talk about circumcision today. Uh, Not in detail, not in medical ways or anything else, but we're going to talk about it and its importance in relationship to what these people were trying to teach You see, circumcision was a physical sign uh, from the Old Testament that an individual had accepted a covenant between themselves and God. It was the sort of the outward sign and seal that that covenant had been entered into. And um, so whether it was the first thing that somebody did to enter that covenant or maybe the last thing, it was... It was kind of the big deal. And so what had happened was these teachers had come in among these churches in Galatia and told them about uh, ceremonial law, and they had told them about the Jewish calendar and the festivals and the feasts, and they had talked about the food laws and so on and so forth. And and I think it was Probable that some of these people in the Galatian church said, well, you know, after all, the Old Testament law was given by God. And, and so they had started to adopt uh, eating certain foods and uh, of staying away from other foods. And, and they had started to follow the Jewish calendar and were probably... Having certain feasts and meals that were uh, dictated in the Jewish calendar, we're looking forward to the festivals that were coming up, and 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 these teachers who had come amongst them were probably pleased, and and they were happy, and they said, "This is good. You guys are on track. You're you're almost there. But what you really need to do." Is, is buy into this thing the whole way. And, and the way to buy into this thing the whole way is for the males in your family to be circumcised because that is the sign, seal, and deliverer of the covenant that you have finally entered into a relationship with God. And so that issue was being pressed very, very hard. But Paul has something to say about it. But before we look at what Paul has to say about it in our text, you don't need to turn there, but I'm going to reference Acts chapter 16, verse 3. You can jot that down, look it up later. I'm going to read it for you now. Because it tells us this, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. And he took him that is Timothy and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places for they all knew that Timothy's father was a Greek it's kind of strange isn't it kind of random Paul wanted Timothy to be a traveling companion of his and and he knew when he took Timothy with him with him they were going to come in contact with a lot of different groups of Jewish people and Timothy had a Jewish mother, uh, but a Greek father. So, so he was raised in a Jewish household, and his mother kind of took him through Judaism. But his father had refused to allow him to be circumcised to take that last you know, seal, sign, and all that other kind of stuff. But, but before Timothy took off with Paul to become his traveling companion... Paul had Timothy circumcised, or actually Paul, being a rabbi himself, performed the circumcision on Timothy as an adult, and it says in the text, because of the Jews. Well, that that can be confusing, because if you look at our text in in verse 2, chapter 5, verse 2 that John just read, it says, look, I... Paul say to you that if you accept circumcision Christ will be of no advantage to you. Well, Now there we go. People should jump up for joy and say I knew there were contradictions in the Bible. Because Paul on one hand is circumcising Timothy because of the Jews and here the Jews are telling the Galatians that they have to be circumcised in order to have a relationship with God and Paul says no that's not the case so what's going on well I want to explain this to you and it's really a really brief explanation but it but it plays into our text because these false teachers who had come to the Galatians are going to say to them Paul teaches the same things we do because look at his background Throughout his career, he has circumcised people as a rabbi, and 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 we're just telling you to do the same thing. Well, let me explain it very quickly. In in Acts chapter sixteen, and as a matter of fact, throughout the entirety of the book of Acts, the Jews that are always referred to are people who don't have faith in Christ. They're ethnic Jews. I mean, they're, they're Jews who have not yet been exposed to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul knows this, and he understands this. And, and so because he's going to be coming to these Jews along with other Gentiles, and he doesn't want Timothy to be a stumbling block to them, he, he wants him to be represented as, as a, a full-fledged Jew who is going to be a mouthpiece for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he circumcises Timothy really and truly for evangelistic purposes. You see what I'm saying? And the difference between that and what these people are telling the Galatians is, these people are saying, you must be circumcised in order to have a relationship with God. Paul never in his wildest imagination ever thought after he came to faith in Christ that doing anything other than placing his faith in Christ would bring him into relationship with God. Now I say that because if you look at our text again, in verse 11, it says this, But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision... Why am I still being persecuted? Now, so what had happened was these false teachers had come to the Galatian churches, and they said, now listen, our message to you is really no different than what Paul has said throughout his ministry, and as a matter of fact, what he's done. He's probably circumcised countless people in his career as a rabbi. But Paul's argument is fairly keen and fairly straightforward, as is this complete and entire message. Paul says, now, if what I do is preach circumcision the same way that they do, why are they persecuting me? You see see the argument? Because earlier in the letter, they had called Paul an enemy. They had made Paul the bad guy. They had turned him into the ogre because they had been saying, Paul has given you part of the message, but not the complete message. But now, and this is typical human logic in an argument, isn't it? Well, Paul is doing exactly the same thing. Except they're still persecuting Paul because his message is so radically different. You see what I'm saying? Paul says, now listen, if I'm preaching circumcision the same way that they do, why are they still persecuting me? And then he continues in verse 11, and he says, in that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. In other words, what he's saying is, these false teachers who have come amongst you and have given you this message of a works justification have also said that the cross and the message of the Lord Jesus Christ is offensive because it's incomplete. You see what I'm saying? They're saying the message that Paul has given you is offensive to us because he hasn't given you the full goods. Because it's the cross of Christ plus keeping the law. And Paul says, if I'm preaching the same message, why are they still offended by the cross? And why are they persecuting me for my views on circumcision? Which seems very logical. Now I do want to spend a couple of minutes here just trying to discern what it is about the message of the cross that is offensive. Because what was offensive then in 48 AD is also offensive now. What was it about Paul's message about the Lord Jesus that offended them so deeply? Now, there are probably 150 reasons why the message of the cross is offensive. And you can make your own list, and I encourage you to add to what I'm going to share with you. I'm only going to add just a few. But these people have come in and said, Jesus is important, but you also have to do things, and so keep that in mind. So what is offensive about the cross? Well, the first is that it declares that man is not good enough to earn a relationship with God because he has personally offended that God. He cannot do anything in and of himself to reestablish a relationship with God because he is not good enough. And people in 48 AD and people today don't like that message because nobody wants to think that they're not good enough in and of themselves, to have a relationship with God. And that's offensive. Of course I'm good enough. I mean, I'm not perfect. Nobody is. Nobody's going to say they're perfect. But, But I'm not that awful. And so if I do enough good things over here, I can overcome the bad things that I've done, and God must accept me. But to tell somebody, no, that is not the case is offensive it declares that man can do nothing to earn the favor of god and the message of the cross says that the punishment for man's indiscretions is death what you mean that that little thing that i did when i was 13 21 42 109 is so offensive to God that it deserves death. And not only physical death here and now, but eternal death, eternal separation from God. You must be kidding. That is offensive. But the whole message of the cross is that the very Son of God had to die in order for us to have a relationship with Him. Because we could do nothing to earn our relationship with god and people are offended by that it also the message of the christ of the cross tells us that there was only one sacrifice that was good enough to reestablish that relationship with god a sacrifice over here this type of sacrifice doing this is not acceptable it has to be a perfect sacrifice that it was not only completely human but was completely divine in order for it to be satisfactory to God and Jesus had the nerve to say I am the way and the truth and the life and no one gets to God except through me exclusivity There are not multiple ways to God. And that was offensive in 48 A.D., and it's offensive in 2024. And on and on and on and on the list goes, particularly to a people who want to say, really and truly, man is good enough to earn the favor of God. I like country western music. It's the highest Art form in all of music. No, I'm just kidding. I don't believe that for a second. (laughs) But there's a song that comes on the radio, and I hear it probably once a day, and there's a line in the song that said, I believe most people are good. And it offends me. Because I don't believe it. Because most people are like me. And I'm not good. And I mean that really sincerely. I believe all people are bad. And that's what the Bible teaches. And relationship with God has been broken because of it. And I can do absolutely nothing about it to restore it. Unless God intervenes in the person and work of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's offensive because people want to believe that most people are good, but they're not. So Paul's reasoning is very clear. I'm not talking about circumcision the same way they talk about circumcision. So let's look very quickly at the rest of our text. Beginning at verse 1, For freedom Christ has set us free. And stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Paul, throughout the letter, is compared putting yourself back under the law or putting yourself under any system that says you can earn the favor of God. He compares that to slavery. Verse 2, Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. In other words, if you believe that doing anything, in this case, circumcision, makes you just before God, you have nullified what Christ has done. And he is of no benefit to you whatsoever. So don't try to pair works of any kind with faith in the Lord Jesus Christ they are incompatible I testify to you verse three again I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law now here was the rub I don't know what these people were teaching in its entirety you can talk about food laws you can talk about festivals you can talk about feasts you can talk about circumcision But if you accept these things as a means to be justified before God, you accept the entire package. You have put yourself at the very center of trying to earn your favor to God. And that means everything that God has revealed about himself, in his righteousness, his justice, and his perfection, you have to live up to that. And quite frankly, you cannot do it. Now, if a man could do it, he would be just before God. Don't misunderstand me. But the problem is mankind is born in sin, and there he will die. And no matter how much good he attempts to do, he cannot earn himself out of being a sinner. But you put yourself under the entirety of the whole thing. Verse 4, you are severed from Christ. You who, have been, you who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. You see, there's the whole tension in, in the scriptures. Works? I'm good enough. I can get there. I may not be perfect. See, there's the rub. You're not perfect. So even if you're good on a good day, you're not perfect. And then there's grace. God says, I will grant to you my unmerited favor because of what my son, who was perfect, did for you. That's the whole thing. And then he continues in verse 6, because I want to clarify this, and it's not a joke. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You see, circumcision is not the issue. Whether one is circumcised or uncircumcised, at the end of the day, it doesn't make a lick of difference. It doesn't make a lick of difference. There was a period of history where it did symbolize something. It never justified anybody, but it symbolized something. But whether you're circumcised now or not doesn't matter a bit. But the only thing that matters is faith working through love. Now that's the kind of phrase in English that people, oh, I mean, it's put it on a t-shirt. The only thing that matters is faith working through love. But it's faith in what and where did the love come from? And it's not talking about my love. It's talking about God's love for me that granted me faith to place in his son. I didn't have either. Faith or love. Outside of Christ. That's what... Matters. Well, Paul, I'll be honest with you as he's making this argument, and I've said this many times as, as we have gone through this letter, Paul is not happy. He's not happy with the people who are giving his beloved children a false message. And he's not happy with his children who are threatening to buy into it. He's cranky. Verse 7. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him. That is from God who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little poison ruins all the meat. It could be put in those words. Who who did this to you? Who, Who is threatening you to walk away from the truth? Don't even buy off on a little poison. It will ruin you completely. And I want to read this next verse, and I want to read it very seriously because it doesn't deserve a snicker. Verse 12. I, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. I, I wish that the talk of circumcision would be gone and I wish that these detractors would would castrate themselves so that they can breed no more that they would be taken away. This is how serious Paul sees this issue, you see. And and it was actually a a fascinating thing because you see these Galatians who had come to faith used to be pagans. They used to go to the pagan temples in the region of Galatia and they would offer their sacrifices to, to these foreign idols and, and there were multiple gods and they had priests and you know what's interesting is, is many of the priests in the cults that these Galatians used to worship used to do this very thing castrate themselves in devotion to their foreign gods and so Paul here says I, I wish these people would be just like your old pagan priests what did that get you? Look what this would get you. And and then he, at least the way I'm reading it, concludes in verse 10. And, And listen to this verse. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. Now let me tell you what I think is striking about this verse. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. He doesn't say I have confidence in you. You're smart enough. You're sharp enough. You're brave enough to hold fast. No, 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 no. Because we're none of us that. All of us can be detracted and and drift away from the truth, but Paul says, "I have trust in the Lord. I have trust in the Lord that you will take no other view." You see, the issue at hand is symbolized in circumcision, Circum, you know, symbolized in the law. But but the issue at hand is: Are you going to put confidence and trust? in mankind, a system in yourself, or are you going to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? And we have trust in the Lord that he will carry us to the end. Because a true saint will persevere to the end because of God's faithfulness, not because of ours. But Paul goes on and says, I know that those who are troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. You see, this is not, this is an old problem that is around as much today as it ever has been. I can't tell you how many conversations that I have with people who say, Jesus is great, but x y and z whatever it is the add-ons it doesn't matter you got to pray this way you got to give this much and this happens in church i don't mean that this is just outside among them churches are teaching people that jesus is critical but you got to do this you got to think this way you got to do this. you got to stay away from this. You know, if you do that, you, you're out for sure. That's exactly what's going on here. Now, now, let me just say this in conclusion. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ changes behavior. Okay? It changes behavior. And without changed behavior, we have a legitimate reason to say, I wonder how, how my faith is real, you know? But it is not my changed behavior that gives me faith. And, and Paul's going to talk about that. He's going to talk about the reality of, of lifestyle and thinking and behavior being changed because of faith in Christ. Don't don't misunderstand that, but don't misunderstand the fact that this stuff over here gives you relationship with God. It doesn't. It is a result of relationship with God. And these people were all saying, you do this and you have a relationship with God it is the Lord Jesus Christ and the offensiveness of the message of the gospel and faith alone in that that gives us relationship with him let me pray father in heaven um, every one of us here who has a relationship with you did absolutely nothing to earn that None of us here who have a relationship with you do anything to keep it. It is strictly by grace alone that we have a relationship with you. And it is an offensive message for the reasons we've talked about and many, many more. But it is through your faithfulness to us that we will stand firm in the truth. And may we do this to the glory of Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.